0: I'd like to read for you the Word of God. Numbers 13. For some of those who have been in church their whole life, certainly for people like Marge Stevens and Cindy Heath and Dave and Norma Alkma who have been in this church that has taught Scripture for so long, you've heard this story. Others of you may not be as familiar with it. Regardless, it is a powerful story, and it's one that we need to be learning from on a continual basis. It says in Numbers chapter 13, the Lord spoke to Moses. It's a great way to start, isn't it? He's speaking. And he says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going and I am giving to the people of Israel. Now I need to go ahead and stop. You can leave it right where it is. But I need to go ahead and stop. I love this so much. God comes in and he says, hey, I've got a word to say. And then he says, I'm going to give you something. Now, automatically, if God says he's going to give you something, we need to step back and go, okay, wait. If God is the one saying, I'm going to give you something, no matter what he says, we just need to do it, right? Because God says it's going to happen. If God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen if you really believe in his power and in his might and his strength and who he is and all that he's done throughout history, and he comes and he says that, listen, I'm going to to give the land of Canaan to the people of Israel. And so what I want you to do is this. I want you to take each tribe of the fathers. You shall send one man. Take one from each of the tribes. Take a chief. And I want you to send them out into the wilderness. And... So what they did is they took all of these men who were from the heads of the people of Israel. And then he goes through and he starts to speak about all the different names and where they're all from. And then if you jump down to verse 17, after talking about all the different names, he says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he says to them, this he gives them instruction. Hey, listen, God, and I I want you to put yourself in this situation. God comes, he speaks to him, he says, I'm going to give you the land. Like, it's a crazy good place, and so I just want you to send some of your leaders, some of your mature, that they're leaders, that they're chiefs, so they're the mature people, right? I want you to take some of your mature people, some of the leaders, I want you to send them into the land to evaluate everything that's there. Moses said to them, go into this land, the hill country, um, Negev, and he says to see About the land, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds—meaning, are they weak or are they strong—and whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not—and then be of be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land back. And so they do this very thing. And they end up, 40 is such a crucial number in Scripture, in the Word of God. And so they go, and it takes them 40 days. And after 40 days, they what? They return. And you jump down, verse 25. They return from the land. They came to Moses and to Aaron, to the entire congregation, all the people of Israel. And they showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell there are strong. The cities are strong. They're large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Now, this is the same tribe uh, who had Goliath. So it just gives you, and we've spoken about that before, but it gives you kind of context. Hey, these are some large people. You remember Goliath, nine feet tall. So this is the people that we're speaking about here. And he goes through this entire thing, and we obviously many of us know what happens i'll give you a cliff notes version they send out a chief from each of the tribes the 12 of them the 12 of them return and caleb and joshua are the two people who say you know what we gotta go we gotta go take the land but the 10 others say no we can't do it the people are too strong and the cities are too strong automatically here's where my thinking goes Everything that they wanted to be good was good. Like, is the land healthy? Is it flowing with milk and honey? Like, is it abundant? Is the food great? Is the land amazing? And everything that they wanted to see as being good, you know what it was? It was good. But here is the kicker for 10 of the 12 spies, the leaders. Isn't that interesting? The leaders who went out, 10 of them came back and said no because they weren't thinking about all of the great things that they saw, that everything that God had promised was there. All they saw was that the hard was there as well. And so they made decisions about what the people should do based on their fear, based on hardship, based on difficulty, rather than what God had ordained. Now remember, God had already promised to them, I'm going to give you the land. That should be enough, shouldn't it? If God comes over and he says, this is what I'm going to do, shouldn't we simply say, okay. (laughs) Yes, God, because you've spoken it And because we trust in you, because we believe in you, we're going to be obedient. It doesn't matter if the people are large, if the cities are fortified. You have spoken it, and because you have spoken it, we are going to move forward. But it was too hard for them. And they would not obey God. Some of us don't, we we don't understand that. When God speaks, if we choose not to do it for whatever reason, that's called disobedience. And I need to tell you guys, obedience to God matters. Obedience to God matters. Showing up at church every week doesn't matter. Not in the same way. Ask yourself this. When was the last time you were obedient to God in something? Not just in the fact that maybe you pick up the Bible here and there and you read it or you pray to God. When was the last time God asked you to do something that was a little crazy and you had to say yes because he asked you to do it? When was the last time that God asked because God doesn't ever ask, I don't know about you, God never asked me to do the ho-hum. You say ho-hum in the north, right? He never asked me to do the ho-hum. He always asked me to do something that's a bit crazy according to other people. In fact, most people tell me, don't do it. You don't understand, it could impact your, your retirement, right? I get that. Or, no, don't do it because then you're going to lose money on this. Or, no, 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 don't do it because it just doesn't make sense. It could be hard for your children. Listen, everything God was asking them to do was going to be difficult. But what that meant, it was an opportunity to see the working and the power of God. So many people today are cheating themselves out of seeing the mighty work of God because it doesn't make sense to them. And I'm so grateful to be in a church where 12 years ago, when they started talking about this, we had a bunch of people who said, you know what, we can't afford it, we can't do it, we don't have the people, but for some reason God is telling us to grow, God is telling us to do more, and so we have to do it in order to be obedient. To every single one of you who are here during that time who said, yes, I want to say thank you. For modeling obedience to other people. For modeling what it is to say yes to the crazy. But it hasn't stopped, by the way. God is still asking us to do more. You know, Chapel Point was, I think a group of people is a group of people. I think we strive to listen to Joshua and Caleb. We strive to listen to those who are earnest and wanting to be obedient to God. That's such a wonderful thing. And it means that some people are going to look at us and say, You're insane. Guys, when people look at you and say, You're insane, you get used to it. It's okay. Because we want to see God work. The people, they, they didn't even like any of this. The people, they actually at this time, they just wanted to go back to Egypt. <laughs> all right? God had set the people of Israel free from 400 years of slavery, of captivity there in Egypt. And he set them free. They go through the sea. They do all these wonderful things. God is showing them and giving them everything that they need. Maybe not everything that they want. And even up to this point, they're still going, I just want to go back to slavery. Because they were so consumed with fear. They were so consumed with worry. They just wanted to go back to what they had. And here's one of the things that we have to understand, we have to grasp, is that we must never allow appreciation of the past keep us from seeing what God is desiring in the future. Very and very important for us. Because these people couldn't see what God was really desiring in the future. And so they just wanted to live where they were. They just wanted to go back to captivity. Because at least they knew what that looked like. At least they knew what that looked like. And we need to understand, we need to process that that demonstrating faith, living faith, it leads to greater opportunities to be used by God. You see, faith often builds on itself. Think about if you, if maybe if you've ever ran before in your life, right? If, if you run a 5K, 3.1 miles, and you keep doing that, before you know it, you're going, you know what, I can do a 10K. And so you do a 10K, 6.2, and then you're going, you know what, I, I think I can do a little bit more. And so then you do a 15K, 9.3 miles. And then you're like, I'm going to run the riverbank. So 25K, 15.5 miles, I'm going to do it. And if you don't die, then you think to yourself, maybe... I'm going to run a full marathon, right? You see what I'm saying? It just builds on itself because you're exercising your faith. When you exercise your faith, God doesn't go, hey, great job on the 5K. You ran a little bit, and then he says, you're done now. Don't worry about it for the rest of your life. He wants you to keep exercising your faith so that you keep growing and you keep showing it in greater and more powerful ways than ever before. God is wanting to do that in your life. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? And that's what's happened at Chapel Point. You had a bunch of people who 60 some odd years ago said, you know what? God's asking us to exercise our faith. And a few of them start meeting together. They end up buying a school and they keep going and keep going. And they just kept exercising their faith more and more. I assure you, I've heard the stories. When they decided to even construct this, that was not a 5K for them. It was a marathon with no shoes on. But they chose to do it anyway. And God has honored that. God has blessed that. And so we want to keep exercising our faith. We don't want to listen to the ten others. We want to be listening to the Joshua's and the Caleb's. Why? Because we know that God desires for us to demonstrate faith, not only claim faith. You see, I think that was one of the differences. And I think about that. I go, okay, what's, what was the differences? In the 10, verse Caleb and Joshua, the two. One, you know, you got to look at how they made decisions. You know, I think the 10 were making decisions based on fear. and The others were making decisions based on faith. But then if I break it down even more simply, I go, you know what? I think you had one group who wanted to claim faith, and then you had two who actually wanted to demonstrate their faith. Everybody claims faith of some sort, of some sort, faith in something. But demonstrating your faith is different. You know, before I was speaking about obedience and obeying God, maybe another way of saying it, if that doesn't register when I say, "When was the last time you really had to obey God in something that he's asking you to do, maybe a better way of saying it, maybe it clicks a little bit more if I ask you, how is God asking you to demonstrate faith right now in your own life rather than just claim it. This church demonstrated faith. And guys, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm gonna be speaking about it this evening at a congregational gathering. We're not finished. We're not finished. And so maybe God is asking you to demonstrate faith, not only claim your faith. As we walk through all of this, we learn more and more that the people of God, they were struggling to trust. They were struggling to believe in God, to really know who he was. They were struggling to say, you know what, God, we're going to do it no matter what. Why? Because the people made their decisions based on the difficulties that they could see ahead, not on the the blessings that could follow. That was a struggle for them. They made decisions based on the difficulties that could come rather than the blessings that could flow. How are you making decisions in your life? Are you making decisions based on the difficulties that could come or the blessings that could flow? Some of you, you're living um, with someone and you're not married. Word of God says that wrong. And you're like, no, no, you don't understand. It's cheaper for me to live with this person that I do care for and I love them. And if we had to both pay rent, we couldn't do it and it would be too difficult. You're making decisions based on difficulty rather than the blessings that could flow. Some of you are going, I can't tell my brother or my sister about my faith in Jesus Christ because they've already disowned me. They've already just said, you know what, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And then that may never allow me to have an opportunity to have a relationship with them. You're looking at things maybe based on the difficulties that could follow rather than the blessings that could flow. For others of you, God's asked you to go do a job and it just scares you. Because the, the job you have... You're not making it up, but at least it's consistent. But then the next job, it's commission, and you're going, I don't know, but you know God's asking you to do it. But it scares you, and you're making decisions based on the difficulties that could come rather than the blessings that could flow. For others, you're just going, man, I know I need to tell my neighbor about Jesus Christ. God has given me every single opportunity to say, hey, can I tell you about who God is to me? And and, and I want to know if I can pray for you. And you know you want to do it. But you know what? You're more scared of the fact of driving. If they deny you, if they turn against you, you're scared of driving home every day, seeing them and, and, and thinking about that relationship. You're making decisions on the difficulties that could come rather than the blessings that could flow. What is God wanting for you? I'm grateful to be in a church that is full of of staff, of elders, of deacons, of a bunch of people who really do. I believe I believe that they're earnest to demonstrate their faith, not based on the difficulties that could lie ahead, but the blessings that could flow. That's exciting to be a part of. I think this story is in, is timely in the church. For the church today especially. Because so many of us are functioning on fear. So many of us can only see what we can achieve in our own strength. Rather than what could possibly happen in the power of God. So many of us today only see what we could do by ourselves. Forgetting that God wants to come beside us. And then we could actually see what God could do in his own might. In fact, I learned a lot from even Caleb. He's listening to all this nonsense, and this is what happens. When you function out of fear, you always paint a situation to be even worse than it really is. That's what those ten did. Because they weren't seeing the the blessings that could flow and only the difficulties that lied ahead, they they came and they said, hey, listen— It's really bad. They painted a picture that was more grim than it actually was because fear was so rooted within them. But here comes Caleb. Caleb comes and he says, you know what? Wait a second. How many of us, if the majority... What, 80 some odd percent of people were already saying, we're not doing it. How many of us would have the the spiritual fortitude to stand up and go, wait a second, no, that's not true. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, we find Caleb coming and he begins to speak with amazing courage and amazing boldness, right? It tells us, Numbers chapter 13, I hope I just didn't get that verse wrong, verse 30, yes, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and occupy it. When we know God's already said, I'm on your side, when we know that God has already said, I'm going to do this, why are we waiting? Let's go. And so many of us today, what we would do is we go, no, no, no. I know God said to go and do it. But we need to take some time on this. We need to process everything. And what we're really doing sometimes when we know God has spoken, we're going, I need, to, I need to wait so that I can give enough time for fear to creep in so I don't have to do what's being asked of me. Because we only see the difficulties that are lying ahead rather than the blessings that could flow. And so here comes Caleb. And he says, let's go up at once and occupy it and he says we are well able to overcome it we are able why because god has given it to us here's a response of the others that were so concerned we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are for they are stronger than we are and so they wouldn't do it As this passage continues and it jumps over to chapter 14, we find a people in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 14. I'll go very quickly here. We find a people who had no trust and no faith. We find a people who had no faith, no trust in who God was. It says the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the response, this gets me, in in chapter 14, verse 5 and following, what really strikes me was the response of Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua saw the response of the people choosing not to be obedient to God. And it tells us that they fell with their faces to the ground and that they began to call out. They tore their clothes to repent before God for the people's lack of faith. Their anguish is enormous because of the dishonor and the lack of faith of those around him. But the people did not care. They continued to reject them. In fact, in verse 10 it says, the congregation said to stone them. But the glory of the Lord appeared. And so they could not. So many of us would rather sit in what we already know than live in a way to truly see the power of God unleashed. I'm so grateful to be in a church that would rather live in the blessings that are to flow than the fear of what could be. And for Chapel Point, it's not going to stop. Tonight we're going to be speaking about future plans that we have for additional facilities and talking about what God is wanting us to do in the community and how he's wanting to reach them. And this is what I am personally committed to. I'm committed to doing whatever God asks, no matter what that answer is, regardless of the difficulties, because I love watching the blessings flow. Amen? Amen. For some of you, that's true in your own life. Our praise team, they're going to come back up here and they're going to lead us in worship. But some of you, for some of you, it's true in your own life. And we put a sheet of paper on the seat there for you. And today has been, you know, it's been a celebration of what God has done in the past. And so we had this opportunity to burn the mortgage. But one of the reasons so few of us are willing to live in the promises and the glory of God... And instead, we start to live in the fear and and in the anguish of the difficulties that may come. One of the reasons that we struggle so much with that is because there's something in our life that we're holding on to. For the people, they were holding on to their past because they already knew what it looked like. They would rather be slaves than to have freedom because at least they knew what that meant. At least they knew what that looked like. And for so many of us, listen, if you want to talk about a church doing great things, the church is simply the people of God. And so whatever you're doing individually all comes together and it makes the church. You don't think you matter. You matter. And so however you're allowing God to work in your life becomes really the church. It starts to impact other people, the way you pray for others, the way that you're diving in the scripture, the way you're allowing it to transform who you are. All these things matter, and it impacts the kingdom of God. And so we look at it, and we go, okay, well, I need to get myself right. I need to get myself right. And part of me getting right is making sure that I'm not holding on to something that I shouldn't be holding on to. And so some of you are holding on to something, and we're going to invite you this morning to write down on that sheet of paper for you personally something that you need God just to get rid of in your own life. We were going to have a big bonfire outside. Um, when I woke up this morning, I recognized I, should, I might as well just dig the trenches <laughs> and pour the water on top. Elijah. And so instead of burning those as you leave, and because we don't want to be arrested, um, we're not going to burn, we're just gonna, we've are just going to got some baskets that are going to be in the rear of the church in the foyer, in the gathering area. And we're going to ask for you to write down, you don't need to write your name, but just write down something that you need for God to burn away in your life. Write it down, and as you leave today, I'm going to ask that you place it in that basket. And that you would surrender that to God that you would surrender that to Jesus so that you would no longer allow the difficulties that lie ahead to prevent you from being obedient to the voice of God because you would rather see the promises that are to come, the land that is filled with milk and honey. As people of God, he has asked us to live beyond anything that we could do for ourselves. Will you allow him to take it all from you? It's a good place to start, isn't it? It's a good place to start. God, we come before you. We celebrate for everything you did in delivering us from captivity. You did it for... For Israel, you'd brought them out of captivity for the people of God, and you've brought us cap- out of captivity because of the death of your son and having faith in who you are. So we thank you for all that you have done, but we also thank you for what you're doing today, and we thank you for what you will do tomorrow for us individually, but also for your church. And so we surrender to you. We call out to you. You are a great and mighty God and I declare right now that there is nothing that this world can drop on us that will prevent us from praising and worshiping you because we know one day we'll be dancing with you.